You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Vox and Hops Brutal North America is presented by Indie Merch Store. Uh, when I show up, I show up to destroy. And that is just who I am. And I expect it in return. I don't I do not do anything without expecting that it's, it is possible or, or necessary for it to be done to me the same. So my rhetoric has always been, or, or I should say my, my, my position is always like, the only thing that stops me is a ref gets in the way and that's it. And I have who's in my corner and everybody else is my enemy. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Trip Topsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did because brutal north america is here that's right this whole week there are 22 unique new vox and hops collabs which are dropping all across the united states and canada i am so damn stoked and proud of this project i have paired 22 vox and hops alumni with metal breweries across north america to create unique collabs for their bands to name just a few of these amazing collabs in Canada, we got Brewski with Acurian, Cannery Brewing with Unleash the Archers, Kanawaki Brewing with a brand new Cryptopsy collab. We got New Level Brewing and Striker. We got Overhop Canada and Beyond Creation. In the United States, we got Bone Up Brewing Company with Fuming Mouth, Broken Goblet Brewing with Hath, Cosmic Eye Brewing teamed up with the RRBG Podcast, and we got Ghost Town Brewing with Labored Breath. So many cool beers, so many amazing humans working together to spread Vox and Hops' motto of enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. I'm just so damn excited. Brutal North America is presented by Indie Merch Store, is fueled by Heartbeat Hot Sauce Company, and is powered by Yakima Chief Hops. So if you can, head on out there and seek out some of these collabs. I would love to see some photos and to hear some reviews about what you guys think about these amazing, unique brews. If you'd like to find some more information on Brutal North America, you could head on over to my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And there is a whole bunch more information about Brutal North America there. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of sick shows throughout the year. But more than that, they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals. And that's the absolute truth. I've played festivals all across the globe. And Heavy Montreal are up there with the best of them. They have just started announcing some shows for the fall coming up. They have announced that Ginger will be coming through Montreal with Suicide Silence. They've announced that All Them Witches will be coming through in December. They've also announced that Bloodbath will be coming through in 2022, as well as that rescheduled Ramstein tour, which will be hitting Montreal in August of 2022. I am super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. <laughs> 
Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more metalheads just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, why do I say this? I say this because when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down. They look at those reviews. If that podcast has a bunch of great reviews, what are they going to do? They're going to give that podcast a chance. So if you were to write a review for the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, you could actually be the person that helps sway someone to become a new Vox and Hops head. And that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I am with the world's most extreme metal athlete. This is Vox and Hops episode number 275 with Josh, the Warmaster Barnett. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Josh Barnett, the war master, the uh, extreme fighter, the metalhead. I am so stoked to be with you. Let's start with an easy one. How are you doing, Josh? Uh, it's, it's good. I'm up in Washington visiting family. It's a nice getaway. Awesome. Let's dive deeper. Let's go darker. I like to kick <clears> this <throat> off with something a bit more shitty so we can have fun later. How did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us of 2020? Uh, it's tough because I didn't, I mean, there wasn't really much cope. I was one of my best years ever. Uh, I was busier than I could ever remember, uh, making all kinds of projects happen, uh, traveling, uh, doing all kinds of stuff. So um, 2020 was actually really fruitful. Yeah. But at, yeah, at the same time, I realized that there were uh, it was a, it was a complete shift in the way that um, things were operating and in some ways it was it was good because it allowed me to work on things that were often uh, not even uh, second in command on on the list of things to do and so it allowed me to uh reach into those things and work in these areas that i'd been neglecting uh but also to think a little differently about how i was approaching the, just the things i was doing that's smart that's and it's, it's sometimes just giving that obstacle and having that little inch of time really helps motivate us to adapt and change our whole way of thinking well oftentimes people get uh, not not to say that i'm i'm necessarily thinking that restrictions are always a necessity but um how restrictions uh can be a great motivating factor for creativity hmm. and so being as that there were restrictions there were things that i really couldn't there wasn't anything i could change about it but the way i could what i could do, do is change the way i approached my day-to-day -day, approach business approach other things and you know i have to find a way to shift and i did that's amazing you know what you know what excites me and gets me motivated it's craft beer uh vox and hops <laughs> is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their life music and craft beer what beer are we going to be virtually sharing what beer do you have on your side today josh i mean i don't know how you this really I, I mean i would not consider this craft and uh, I, I do love me a good beer regardless of of its origin but uh, this is just good old vitamin r uh, i usually buy it when i come back to the northwest that in olympia and uh i'm more of a craft or just whiskey person in general but uh yeah i like all things fermented just about uh, as well as distilled 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> On my side, I'm drinking something brand new. They actually just opened today. Uh, I they are my neighborhood brewery. They are seriously mm-hmm. like a ten minute walk from my house. Makes me so excited. This is Melon. Uh, this is their first stout that they dropped. I was actually their first paying customer customer this morning. I dropped in, and uh, I was the first paying customer. So I'm very excited about this. This is uh, La Nuit Et une Pantère. It is a imperial stout with chocolate and coffee. They got the Zab coffee in this. Uh, 10%, the best way to start off a Saturday. Uh, I'm going to crack this, and uh, Josh, tell me about your very first beer. You know, I don't recall what it was. It was something probably uh, as run-of-the-mill as it comes, and I don't remember even particularly liking the taste of it. Uh, But then I think that even if you're just drinking something as simple as a lager like this, the natural notes that you're going to get with beer, you know, things brewed from hops and what have you, it's it's like drinking coffee for the first time. It's like these certain, or, or even uh, smoky Isla whiskeys. You, you you have to have a palate for it, mm-hmm. and you have to develop it to to a degree. I mean, I know that there must be people out there that the the instant that they'd ever tasted hops or coffee if they were done uh but i wasn't that guy i it wasn't like a real battle it was just a matter of expanding my palate and that went for all kinds of different foods too i mean there was plenty of stuff that i didn't like as a kid that over time without really even trying i developed a taste for things that i used to hate and enjoyed them uh same with beer uh, I didn't hate beer, but it, it didn't really didn't click with me. But over time, it really started to come into its own. And, you know, if it's my preference, it, it really depends on my mood. I really do like nice, easy drinking lagers and some Pilsners. But generally, my my personality goes towards uh, stouts and porters and things of that nature. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Ooh, coffee. Boozy smooth oh the chocolate kicks you and then the booze at the end killer super stoked about melon um let's talk about being a metalhead another thing is is you know an acquired taste is metal the first time i heard cryptopsy i didn't like it and now i'm the vocalist of cryptopsy so (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of like that too so talk to me about i want to go back and, and get into young josh the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to almost entirely classic rock and blues was the the nature of the game and uh, i mean you got all your classic rock staples like the you know led zeppelin and ccr or um i mean you'd hear it, the, all the radio station normals but my dad was a big blues guy so you know that would be Yardbirds and savoy brown and the Chicago Transit Authority, not Chicago with Peter Cetera as the lead, but um, what's it? Um, home dude, the guitar player. And so that was what was, you know, oh, and Steely Dan, even plenty of that. And then from my mom's side, I'm a big fan of classic rock as well. But then that's where I was introduced to things like classical music. And so, and even some jazz. And from that, you know, I developed, I guess I must have developed some kind of an ear towards, uh, you know, rock music and blues and some of those patterns. And then this kid who was older than me at my babysitter's, it was a metalhead. And I remember 
seeing his Iron Maiden t-shirts. The first one that really stuck out was uh, the album cover to Killers on a shirt. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I need this in my life. There's something about this that I just have to have. It's like scary but intriguing. Same thing happened to me mm-hmm. at a babysitter. I spoke about it recently on a podcast. The Alice Cooper poster in this guy's room, Timmy, shout out to Timmy, um, totally scared me but intrigued me 100% and I needed to know more. <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah, it was uh, Brian Roberts. Uh, and then it was Bon Scott, ACDC, uh, Wasp, Metallica, all that. And that started me down the, the metal journey. Of course, Judas Priest, it was everywhere. And uh, I, but Iron Maiden was my favorite band for most of my youth, like far and above. What would have been your very first show, the first live music experience? The first live music experience, uh, surprisingly, actually wasn't until I was in high school. I think it was 16 or so. And it was a free concert at uh, Seattle Center. And they had this big grass area with a stage that was built in and KISW, the local rock station was doing these things, these concerts called pain in the grass. And it was Candlebox and Jesus lizard open for them. Wow. Good first step right there. Yeah. So, uh, uh I had never heard of Jesus lizard, but they were badass. Absolutely. And even though it was Candlebox, which is not very heavy per se, and it's of that grunge era, Man, I mean, there was a mosh pit, and it was funny because I took my friend who was who was the hip hop uh, head, and when I mean that, I mean he was more. He was how I found out about East Coast hip hop and uh, things that had a more uh, like jazz bent and all that kind of stuff to it. You know, really more into the deep lyricists and things like that. Than I mean, there wasn't like he wasn't into any of the West Coast gangster stuff at all. And not to say that you really had to be because it was around. You would just hear it. It's like uh, trying to tell people that I don't there, there are certain things that I don't really ever need to go out and actually seek because it's it's already around me all the time. So, in fact, when I can get away from it, that makes me so much happier when I can go somewhere and and not hear certain strains of pop music or what have you. I prefer that because it's I don't. There's nothing I have to do to find it because it's always just buzzing around me. Um, and so I took him to his, that concert, I took him with me. It was, he'd never been, I was his conduit to metal for everything. And it's so funny because we're at this concert and I, he has to I bring, we're in the mosh pit together. We're all this stuff. And, and at some point, because these things happen, stuff falls off of someone's person or whatever, and they fight it off the floor and you know it gets chucked into the crowd backwards whatever and uh it's similar to th- this is going into a into a cry story kind of and the, <laughs> someone's wallet chain had fallen off and someone had grabbed it and slung it and it just like went airborne and 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 it landed and it hit my friend chris in the head it didn't do any damage but i just remember him just going of course i the hip-hop guy <laughs> goes to the metal show and when the thing goes flying in the air what does it hit it has to hit me because i'm the thing that's, that doesn't belong here that's so yeah. funny that's so funny <laughs> talk to me about being a metal athlete you have to be the most extreme metal athlete out there uh everyone's been telling me that i have to have a conversation with you because you are the most metal athlete uh i even have an award for it do you that's amazing. Who who gave you that? Revolver Golden so God cool. Awards. Yes, I, I've been nominated, I think, even two times before that. But 
it's a popularity contest. So uh, I wasn't going to beat out this person or that person because they were just way more above above board uh, in the the mainstream consciousness. But I'm just like, there's no way that they're at the dollhouse watching someone play with like 15 people <laughs> or they weren't there at the knitting factory before it closed in Hollywood watching goat whore uh, and layer the Minotaur like no. That wasn't the case. <laughs> why is it so important to? It's like a big part of your identity. It's a big part of what you portray. Uh, why do you do that? Why, why is it so important that everyone knows that Josh Barnett is a metalhead? Uh, I mean, is it important that they know it? I, I guess if you can't escape it, and that it is just part of who I am, and so if you didn't know it, it's because you're not paying attention. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's not something I have to proclaim because it is just part of my raison d'etre. So, um, metal to me, it just has always spoke to me in a way that other music didn't. I mean, and I'm, I am someone that loves music on a lot of different levels and I like way more than I dislike in terms of even genres. Um, so at any given moment I could have a conversation and, or, get somebody's interests and then feed them different types of music uh, to 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 reach out to them but metal to me was just the the the, the best and 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 uh you know i've made this conversation piece with with some friends before and i'm like you know what metal is the most diy and hardcore of all types of genres of music and immediately the argument would come back punk and i'm like nah <laughs> Punk, punk is not as grassroots as you think. Punk knows that like these kids will go and they'll play punk music poorly. Uh, they'll play their instruments poorly. They'll they they know that there is a that there is a, a possibility that they can get above the DIY ceiling and end up in mainstream. That's correct. That there is a possibility that this can take them into the 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 larger ethos of of music and and mainstream culture. If you play in an extreme metal band, not only you're going to probably have to be spending the entirety of your life mastering an instrument at a level, at a very high level, you also realize that the ability to even really get up, up to any level of notoriety is slim, and it's definitely not going to be in the popular consciousness. You are not doing this because you're going to, because you figure that there's a possibility of being overly rich and, and, uh, known throughout the entire popular consciousness. In fact, part of the thing about metal that is so great is that one, uh, it's it's highly exclusive, exclusatory, and yet inclusive at the same time. It's like there's a barrier of entry, and once you get past it, it's like, hey man, if you're metal, you're with us. Yep. And and the, the and, and people are like, wow, it's it's really exclusive. I go in a sense. If you can actually, if you really like the music, then you're in. But the music also is like, we don't want you to come. You know, we're gonna push you. We're gonna make this so wild and and out there uh, at times to your normal person that they're just like they're repelled by it. They're repulsed by the whole thing if they can't get into what the the ethos, the like them that magic below the surface is. But if you do, come on, you know, we're all about it. And so to me the the amount of what you what you're putting on the line to be an extreme metal musician knowing what payoff or i could say what little 
financial payoff per se, little notoriety payoff on the on the broader general scale is going to be and yet you still push into this that shows like real passion that shows no you're not just a college kid who took some sociology courses and now you're all fired up and you want to sing songs about this or that no you're a person that is deep into something that is cannot be just swayed away or you don't just grow out of and that to me spoke about the idea of like death the false metal about trueness i loved it and you can explore so many different ways of thinking and ideas and concepts in metal and it's all allowed. I mean, there's like nowhere you can, you can't go with metal, but that's not the same with other genres. Like the, you, you can, you can push into certain in areas that extreme metal will go. And these other genres are like, ah, no, that's not okay. We can't do that. That's never going to work. Uh, uh-uh. We're going to completely veto this and metal. It's like, nah, if it works, it works, and it's fine. Go for it. It's a beautiful community. It's a beautiful, beautiful, exclusive club that I'm very happy to be a part of. Have you ever seen that? There's a picture of a bolt thrower concert, and there's a kid in a wheelchair being crowd surfed by all the metalheads. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that will not happen other places <laughs> in general, in my opinion. I mean, and and even then, it's it's it's. Uh, if you were at uh, a pop music show, like maybe they might do it or what have you, but there's no danger being yeah, in yeah, yeah. that crowd <laughs> in general. Whereas this kid in the wheelchair is like, I don't give a fuck. He's a part of the I'm community. here. Yeah. yeah, this is this is you know, if you knock me over, I know you're gonna pick me up and step on my hand, but whatever. <laughs> it's like I'm still here for it, and everyone's like dude, we got your back. I played a fest in the Netherlands and there was a dude in a wheelchair in the circle pit and people were pushing Mm -hmm. him, pushing him. It was amazing. One of my favorite memories playing gigs. Yeah. And see, that's so badass. (laughs) I mean, that is, and, and, and I try to explain to people the violence of the mosh pit is it is, it's a, it's, um, it is uh, voluntary. Mm -hmm. And yet when, except for the rare occasion, everybody's there to keep you going uh-huh. they don't want you to to get wrecked they don't want in a way that that takes you out of the whole thing they don't want you to you know if you fall down you get picked up uh everybody's the same in in the pit do you still pit is that something you still do uh no uh but there have been occasions and some songs make you want to just lose your <laughs> yeah. goddamn mind and there's just not much you can do about it or there's moments where I was at an Exodus show in Irvine at the observatory and Rob Dukes was front man at the time. He was a friend of mine and he sees me up at the top of the little thing watching the show and he's like, he calls me dead out and tells me to get in the pit and it's like, fuck. So (laughs) there I go. You know what I mean? It's like, gotta happen. Let's talk about being a fighter. Um, I have never been in a fight. Ever. I've never... Uh, maybe once in high school, but it was like so minimal and we hardly hit each other. So I've mm-hmm. never truly been punched in the face. So, so I'm, I'm interested in why you fight, why you still fight, not your story of how you got into fighting, but why do you mm-hmm. still fight? Is it as important to you as the metal identity to be a fighter? Uh, well, you know, the things that are associated with me as far as what someone would say, identify my person it is uh, it's gestalt and so everything 
has to uh, every every separate or even seemingly disparate aspect of who I am comes together to form the nucleus of my being. And so there is no anything without one of these pieces and all these pieces together make me a, a greater than the, the, the parts themselves and fighting. I was drawn to it and it just like metal, just like, it's not that every, it's not that there are no conscious choices in some of these, and the, these things that I take into myself, but uh, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing about trying to craft uh, who I am. And I really haven't spent any time on that ever in life, which at times was, was really difficult as a kid uh, and trying to understand that, but, and, and for others to understand that as well. But uh, I'm born to fight period. It doesn't, I don't have a concern about damage to me or others. And, uh, but I also find uh, a, a nobility in an, an honor in combat that allows me to actually view these things as the most sincere and and love a place of love in the world than than otherwise. You know, I mean, I the last guy I fought in a bare knuckle match. Uh, you know, I felt like in those moments in that aspect of the the ring we were brothers and we had love real love and it wasn't fake it wasn't i didn't get anything from him like i didn't need anything from him no item no clout no nothing like there was no exchange uh in any sense of the the, the idea of i'm giving something to him that would give that you know for my benefit and his it was just no the exchange was combat and real emotion and and sincerity and to me that's it's kind of beautiful <laughs> it's very beautiful but i know that it's not for everybody although i am very much of the the mindset uh, especially people kept asking me about these thriller fights with uh, jake paul and all this kind of stuff and i go well you know everybody the first reaction is people want to say oh well this is a joke it, it diminishes and demeans fighting and it make turns it into just a spectacle and all these sort of things and i go yeah i understand that sentiment but at the same time anything that puts a another person in the ring to punch and get punched i support it because i think that it is a a place where you can really see who you truly are and if you're paying attention um you can use that to fully develop yourself into your best version. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of respect in the ring. Is there times when you actually dislike your opponent? Is it hard to get in there with respect? Is there a time that you actually want to hurt someone and when there's like beef between the two of you? I don't know. What, how does that work go down? I mean, it all, it all, it runs the gamut of anything that you can think of as far as human beings. Um, as far as how human beings interact with each other and it's uh you, know, you can have people that are out there uh powering themselves on a persona instead of being as as true to who they really are because they want the accomplishment and the achievement and and perhaps even say the trappings that would come from the victory uh enough to, to find a way to will themselves into this position but eventually that person will come to a come to jesus moment when 
the rubber will meet the road and they really have to come to terms with who they really are and what's really at that core. And you'll watch them. They'll show up in, and they'll collapse because it was mm-hmm. built on something that wasn't actually in their core being. Um, and sometimes you do get in the ring and you, you dislike a guy. You, you dislike the way that they've approached the whole process. There have been some people where it's been rare, but there have been some people where I actually did not like them leading into the fight. Um, often, uh, and it's kind of a cliche in fighting, and then afterwards, regardless of the tete-a-tete prior, uh, people like each other after the fact. They, they have a, a certain respect that they've now earned out of each and it changes the way that they view the the opponent. But uh, uh, lots of people have their, I mean, there's a lot of variance in, in how they compete. And there's plenty of people that get in the ring as fighters, and their job is to just win a fight, win a competition, win a game. And that's, you know, fine for them. And I'm not here to say that that's the wrong way of doing anything. But... <clears throat> I've never been that way. I never wanted to go out and game a system. I never wanted to go out and and do what was needed to 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 just win a competition. Uh, when I show up, I show up to destroy, and that is just who I am. And I expect it in return. I don't I don't do anything without expecting that it's it is possible or uh, or necessary for it to be done to me the same. So my rhetoric has always been, or, or I should say, my 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 position is always like the only thing that stops me is a ref gets in the way and that's it. And I have who's in my corner and everybody else is my enemy. The war master. I love it. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's another thing. It's like, uh, you don't get to choose your nickname. It has to be given to you. That is true. Um, People that give themselves their own nicknames are always (laughs) just insufferable. (laughs) And the whole concept of it, it's just, it's really, it just feels so false, right? So since we're talking metal and bolt thrower mm-hmm. gave me the nickname, the war master. And I'm like, well, fuck, I guess it sticks, you know, and I'm getting old. Uh, I'm not a baby faced assassin anymore. There's too many scars. My nose goes too many different directions, too many gray hairs. And yeah. Okay. Well, if they say it, then, uh, then it must be true, I guess. So but you've owned it and it's amazing and it's, it's the perfect name for you. So, <laughs> well, I wouldn't think Carl and Joe and, and, you know, and, and the crew that I don't, I don't think that they would say it if, if it didn't, like, I would trust in their judgment on such a thing being that, uh, uh, you know, we both understood the source material from, from like Warhammer and all that kind of stuff. But also, I mean, hell, they wrote the song, they wrote the album. They're not going to be, uh, flip it with such a thing like that. <laughs> How about your your when you're training and we're out with other athletes? Uh, do you sometimes uh, annoy them with the metal? Why is there not more metalhead? We talked about this a little bit before I, we started recording. Why why isn't there more metalhead athletes out there? I think there's a lot of people that like Metallica. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of people that, that uh, um, they're into the more mainstream metal stuff, and and I think that's. You know, I'm not here to to <laughs> to get real snobbish with them, but uh, uh, extreme metal, they're out there. But also, let's say if it's the UFC specifically, um, they often the UFC doesn't want that music played. And even though you know I had been walking out to Bolt Thrower for years, uh, I, when I went back to the UFC, 
And they're asking me for my first fight. Well, what, what do you want to walk to the ring to? And I said, well, the Fourth Crusade by Bull Thrower. And the first response I got was, uh, you know, this is kind of, you know, this doesn't really work. Or this is this is a little bit too whatever, whatever. Do you, is there another song by this band maybe that you could come out by? And I'm just thinking... <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be any less brutal it's bolt thrower like what are you talking about do you think that they made this one song this way and the rest of it's all celine dion ballads i mean what the fuck or like it's it's all no it's not you're not gonna find anything different it's like a different song well do i take take the more lo-fi recordings off of realm of chaos or do i do in battle there is no law do i go to peel sessions i mean where do you think this is, is i don't know what you mean do you want higher production i'll go to their last album and, uh, you don't like andy wales drumming well you know i'm a i love you know uh kitty man rest in peace but uh is, is that it oh we could we could do a kitty song i don't care <laughs> but uh and i just but my response was there it's not going to be any different and this is a song I've been coming out to. Everybody knows me for this kind of music uh, and even for my specific association to this band. And uh, it's either going to be this or it's dead silence. I want nothing played. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So I walk out to Bolt Thrower and hey, man, I even got the same static on the next fight I had. And I'm just going... You got to be kidding me. This is two days before a fight. This is dumb. But I also try to make a real concerted effort when I show up at the venue call. I go to the fucking uh, uh, the, the the audio board and I go, hey, when I come out, you crank this up because I want to hear those drums at the start of Fourth Fourth Crusade. Just I want people's hearts to want to be shook out of their goddamn mouths. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Has there ever been a super band, a band that you're a fan of, that has also been a fan of you, like a mutual admiration that has surprised you? All the time. It, and... I'll preface some of this is that I don't think of myself. I know that I'm known by people for the things that I do. I know that I work in the public sphere and that through fighting podcasts, uh, all that I, I work in media. So I understand that. And I completely accept um, having uh, being somebody in the public eye, even if it's, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not Will Smith, but I, I we work in the same 
uh, genre of stuff. We work in the same environments. I accept that. And, but I never did any of this to be famous or known. And anything I ever do in media to ever increase those sort of things are a business decision, not an actual personal decision. I realized that increasing social media numbers is a necessity towards the industry, but I personally don't care at all. That, that is not a measure of real personal and deeper uh, success and deeper meaningful work. That's not why I do it. So anytime somebody comes up to me and they're a fan, I'm always like, or they recognize me. It's just like, oh, okay. Especially if it's not at something like a fight, right? So if I'm at a fight and someone knows who I am, it's like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is what I'm most known for. It makes sense. Uh, but if I'm at a Starbucks at eight o'clock in the morning, my hair looks like shit or whatever, and someone comes up to me in line, I'm like, oh, you, oh, okay, right. Or if a band comes up and they know me, I, I'm just, oh, oh, awesome. And, you know, I have a few stories. Like one of them was, uh, so I'm friends with Joel and Toxic Holocaust. And at the time, uh, the old bass player uh, from Canada, um, God damn it, what's his name? Um, I can't help you on this. I apologize. Uh, he's, a, he's a good dude. Um, so he comes out to give me my tickets from from the guest list. And this is on black. I said the black, and we were. Uh, it was must have been like 2010 or something like that. And uh, it's it's a great lineup. Uh, it's it's uh, possessed and Marduk and Blood Red Throne, and Toxic Holocaust, Danzig, um, maybe a couple other bands. And it's we're at the Grove in Anaheim. So I'm standing in line. And he comes out, he gives me his tickets, the tickets, and he goes, hey, dude. So uh, we're touring with Marduk, and we're having a conference. They're, they're, they're chatting, and they're like, oh, yeah, Josh Burnett's coming to come watch a show and all this. And he goes, dude, Daniel Mortis hears it, and he goes, Josh Burnett's coming? And they go, yeah. And I swear to God, this guy, fucking, he smiled. He actually got happy. And <laughs> I haven't seen this guy smile the whole tour. And, you know, sure enough, uh, I get to meeting Daniel and Morgan and all them. And we just hit it off. There, I, and so now when I would come around, and Daniel was a big fan uh, of my work as a fighter. And so, and, and Marduk is sick. So it's like you know getting to meet someone like that and getting to see like you know th this most you know very revered very like you know true with with all capital letters and yes. instead of a U, and like you know this is not a fuck around kind of thing and get to hang out with these guys and see them with that guard down and go like oh yeah they're really like sweet nice individuals that are you know they like this, a lot of the things that just about everybody else likes you know and uh and just being blown away because you just never know or becoming friends with uh uh yoan and and amana marth because they appreciate the things that you do but also then once they get to know you they get to know you for for you and and likewise getting to meet these other um these these people in these bands i mean the band is one thing and of course there's there's you know stage presence and all this kind of stuff but just getting to really like well, i mean you know back to say like daniel from marduk uh one of the funniest things is watching him deal with really really drunk people making really stupid statements and him just kind of <laughs> like he doesn't 
he never he, he just kind of keeps leading him on like oh no 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 keep going and just lets them continue to dig their own holes and just provide comedy without realizing it and just like oh yeah all right cool you know it's not, not such a big deal or getting to meet people like suffocation uh on tour and and you know, what what rad dudes they are so cool. and uh cool. you know yeah, uh, it's just I could go on and on and on, and you know, people like Goat Whore are really close friends of mine, and uh, uh, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to go on about all the bands that I'm tight with, but <laughs> I've been really fortunate to just meet awesome people who mm. we we can both meet each other in the sense uh, we don't need anything from one another. We're just there, and if you're cool, you're cool, and that's that, and. I think maybe maybe some of that is because extreme metal is what it is where you know you're not going to you're 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 that ability to to get to that super high crazy superficial massively known ceiling is is just doesn't doesn't exist so you have to be a more I mean there's shitheads and everything but I don't know I feel like maybe there's just more sincere people in this and you got to get up going and seeing really real live music being played it's just i don't know how there's anything better than that and watching somebody play a bunch of music they've never written sing lyrics they don't write being performed by all like a whole ton of people that are session musicians for them it just feels like i'm watching the fakest thing in the whole world um going and being in a tiny little venue watching marduk or watching goat whore or it doesn't matter you know or watching internal corrosion from from whittier it's amazing i love it and it's i don't know what would be better than that hell speaking of pandemic and how yeah it has obviously been a, a brutal on all my friends in in the music scene because selling albums okay cool get a nickel here and there uh uh spotify plays maybe maybe you might get some 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 fucking pocket change dumped your way but touring is where it happens man and you don't move merch just when you're not on the road in the same way and you know knowing what the struggle that that's put people through as someone that wants to go to these shows too i had tickets for antichrist seeds machine at some small little venue in la and then it's like, oh, sorry, we're gonna have to cancel that. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was I was just as like bummed about that. And then there there was also a thing like, oh, we can do this with your tickets or whatever. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Keep the money, man. Like it's it's yours. I don't I don't need it. It's fine. Um, and uh, but at the same time, then you've got like big big things like Psycho Las Vegas didn't happen, and that was like, oh, dude, man, that was gonna be so awesome to see everybody all these all these bands that i'm friends with all coalescing in one place and i was supposed to go to uh upsala to watain's show they were going to do nope can travel a little single solitary tier excellent excellent band watain but you're, you're you're not missing out on the the olfactory ex experience that goes with a watain show <laughs> it's you gotta take it man and it, it, you know what you sign up for so it's all good i toured this uh, south america with them and suffo and uh 
It was lots of fun. Lots and lots yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something that, you, that you've done that, that it must have been a moment of, I don't myself growing up, watching Steven Seagal movies, I was like, he was the shit. I, I thought he was just so goddamn cool. Uh, you were actually in a movie with him. Uh, talk to me about that moment. Was that like a moment of surrealness or was it just another day? It's all surreal to me, honestly. So even though we're talking about you know, being friends with bands and whatever, it's surreal to me still. And uh, to say, oh, you know, you're friends with this guy. It's like, fuck, this is so weird. How, how am I even meeting these people? This this is insane. Um, being able to become close friends with Bolt Thrower, you, know, you just have to sit back and go, 12-year-old you would have just ex- brains exploded. If you could go back in time to talk to this kid and go, hey, by the way, you're going to go and you're going to do your thing. You're going to create the stuff in life. And through... The, the 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 things that you put into motion, you're actually going to be friends with this guy. Oh yeah, Danzig, you're going to do some security for him for a minute and be his and and be friends with him and this and it's just like what? you're going to be in movies <laughs> at some point. And you're going to be in one of Steven Seagal. Like this is insane. How does this life happen? And I'm like, and I don't. I've never tried to create these things. They just exist. Like I just if if they happen, they happen. If they don't, I just keep moving through the world as I am. And what comes with it comes with it, and what doesn't doesn't, and that's okay. You just keep moving forward. And so, being on uh, in a Steven Seagal film, yeah, it's entirely surreal. Being on on camera and doing a movie at all to me is still this is pretty cool, you know. Um, my favorite movie in the world is is Blade Runner: The The Final Cut, and you know, I just kind of keep things in the perspective of if I could be Brian James, um, I could be in Blade Runner in a major supporting role. I could be in The Fifth Element. I could be in Tango and Cass. I could it's just all these films and from the lower grade or cheesier to the more um, more cult or venerated films. So what? You Can you imagine being a part of the process a piece in helping create some of these things that are so awesome that that leave such an impression in the world even if you're not the star even if you're not i mean even if you could have been uh the rigor on that or something this is all of it is is part of the process and that's so awesome that's so cool and if i could star in a film badass i mean it's more responsibility you've got a lot more weight to carry with it but even being a co-star or making a cameo or what have you you're part of this whole thing that creates what it is and helps set the tone and the mood and the the experience and i don't know man it's from the smallest to the greatest in doing these things it never ceases to make me feel like wow this is so awesome this is so incredible these experiences are the the real juice of life like these are the things that you cannot that cannot be taken from you that you cannot purchase you can't buy these things you this experience cannot be arbitrarily 
created. It has to just be what it is. Those are the best things when things like that happen. So you can't force anything. When things tour, just happen, it's amazing. Right? Yeah, I love like, all, all the stuff that happens on tour. All the the weird little moments. It's like you couldn't plan that. No way. You couldn't plan this. <laughs> and and it could just be the night on the town afterwards. But it had to be that show in that place at that time with maybe even that that this amount of beers and yep. whatever. And then. <laughs> leads into the next thing and everybody has this moment in time that just never goes away you know and you can always roll back to it and be like wow what what did i can't believe i was there it's beautiful let's talk about blood sport your events that you're organizing that you present mm-hmm. is that all you do you do everything you 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 book the bill you is it all you organizing that? No, no, I work with uh, Game Changer Wrestling uh, and Brett Lauderdale. And he reached out to me for the first Bloodsport show ever, which was uh, being done with Matt Riddle, who's in the WWE now, and he was a former UFC fighter. And they wanted me to wrestle on it. Uh-huh. And I was I was up for it, but then uh, there was a, a conflict, and so I couldn't make it. It was simple as that. And I said, ah, you know, sorry, guys, I won't be able to work the show. Uh, and this was far enough in line. It wasn't like I was already announced for it or anything like that, pulling off the bill. But uh, after that show, uh, at some point, Matt Riddle got picked up by the WWE. So he went over there. That meant that there was no longer any ability to use him for these shows or to build a show underneath him or what have you as the main main attraction. So they came back. Uh, Brett came to, back to me and he said, hey, would you be interested in having this be Josh Barnett's blood sport. And I said, yes, but my caveat is that I have to be the guy who books it and agents the matches and blah, blah, blah. I mean, if my name has to be associated with this, then I have to be producing it as well. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And he said, mm-hmm. sure. So we just have been working together on these projects and with a lot of trust between the two of us, we just keep making some of the most kick-ass professional wrestling stuff that I can think of out there. And uh, we've, we're up to show number six. Uh, our last show, I felt, was fantastic. Uh, I wrestled uh, John Moxley in the main event, and it was a very blood-filled, blood-soaked affair. Yes, it was. Uh, but it, it, was, it was definitely metal as fuck. <laughs> and the concept about blood sport isn't... It's not really... It's not a gimmick. It is... It is stripping down professional wrestling to its most purest, most raw state, um, because just like earlier in our conversation when I mentioned that there's some things that I don't have to seek out because it's just everywhere. It's even the same with with, with wrestling. I mean, the way a lot of the ways that wrestling presents itself and and, and operates these days. I mean, it's all only maybe one degree removed from the next, and it's kind of it's very much derivative. And for me, I thought, well. This isn't about uh, being anti anything. This is all just pro and building your own thing. And that's what it is. And so I don't need to cut cut down or try to undermine how anything else about wrestling. I just need I just want to put out the way I see it into the world and draw from the the mentors that I've had, like Billy Robinson and Antonio Noki and Carl Gotch and put that into this product that ethos and let it run and i feel like we've really made 
incredible stuff so far. And the athletes have not only far surpassed my expectations nearly every single time, they themselves, as I watch them, continue to graduate in their competence and capabilities, not just in my ring, but in other rings. And watching how we've had so many people seen, well, obviously they've been known about prior to it, but seen in Bloodsport and then end up in WWE or AEW or New Japan. And so part of that is, I think, the raw aspect of this show makes it so you really get to see who that person is who they are in the ring like they're they're that um what lies underneath the surface because there's no there's no skits or promos or ring gear or catchphrases there's like the, none of the all the other ancillary stuff is is gone so the only thing that you can rely on is really just what's in here and what the audience and, and being able to express that to the audience and i think that that gives a professional wrestling company a really good look at what they think that they could do with this person and and uh you know, I'm pretty proud of of those that we've graduated on, even though I'd love to keep them. Um, but I'm also just very proud of all the shows that we've made so far, and the fact that we're integrating metal into this whole thing too. You <laughs> know, we're keeping it as metal as possible. Uh, we're really fortunate that Five B hooked us up with Josh from Silosis to do all kinds of riff work. And at one point, I, I've had uh, Joel Grind did a song for me uh, and uh, for for the event. And mo a lot of the athletes come out. I mean, we've got at least we've had hate breed. We've got uh, uh, bolt thrower, uh, pig destroyer. I mean, uh, with this one dude, uh, I I'm asking. I asked him, "What's your entrance music?" And he goes, "Oh, Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult." I'm like, "Sick song, love it, but no, <laughs> that just seems too corny." So I'm going to pick something for you. And so I, you know, I'm watching this guy. I'm checking him out and trying to get a vibe. And I just go, you know what? This guy is going to come out to this dude makes me think of uh, what a, uh, Black Breaths, uh, Slaves, Slaves, Be Slaves Beyond Death. <laughs> so nice. there we go. Very, and, very you know, nice. who, who would have heard? Who would have heard that otherwise? Hardly. I mean, exactly. I don't think they're they're not around anymore. But no. man, that Washington, uh, entombed core, just yeah. brutality. Yeah, loved it. I missed them. That's true. I, I really, really enjoyed. I, I only got to see him once at Slide Bar in Fullerton, and I think five songs into the set, like it was, it, they blew out the entire uh, the, uh, electrical system and all that, and the fire department came and the show was over. <laughs> and I just remember it was. A, a, it was i knew it was going to be heavy but it was exceedingly heavy i was really blown away at just like how brutal the whole thing was coming coming off of the off of the monitors it was like fuck okay i, I can get with this i love it, love <laughs> it. uh warbringer made a warmaster bourbon but has uh, have you ever thought about doing a barnett brew yes and at the moment we are in conversations well, not even just conversations. We're moving forward. We have a plan. Uh, I really hope that by... I don't think it could be released this year, maybe, because we're actually going to age it with this, nice. uh, with this group. And uh, I would love to be able to make a, a real announcement on the our beer project here 
in, in the near future. And we're partnering up with a, with a company out in Southern California. And I really do think we have uh, uh, something that, that, that really fits with the whole, with, fits with me, but also fits with uh, what I'm doing in, in the world of spirits. And it, even though it is going to be a brew, there will be an influence from our mesquite smoked bourbon. Nice. So, uh, I just don't want to say too much and just in case. So, uh, I'm waiting for it, uh, for it to come to fruition, but yes, yes. I want to put, I want to put war master level beers out there in the world. And it would be my honor for you to be able to indulge in it yourself. And I've tried, I sampled through their line of the, um, through the, through the variations that we could go with and stuff that they produce for other people, like even uh, um, Horace. So it's legit. And, you know, I sampled many a brew and had others, uh, the our, our head distiller and others, we, we sampled and we, we, we tasted and we, we came to a, to a, um, we, we came to a consensus and we really feel like this is going to be pretty solid. That's so exciting. I can't, can't wait to see that drop and then taste it. Uh, let's wrap this up. One last question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're a professional athlete. You are take care of your body or control of your body, but every now and then it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Uh, lots of water, probably any, any, whatever, whatever, whatever desire food wise to a degree uh depending on how bad the hangover is uh and you know at the worst of it i guess just a few cc's of heroin just just to cut the edge (laughs) josh thank you so so much hanging out with me talking about your life metal and craft beer i am truly honored Uh, this was a blast i really appreciate it cheers yeah cheers my man Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a blast connecting with Josh. He is just a blast to talk to. He's great to listen to. He's got a lot of insight, a lot of uh, interesting things to say about being a metalhead, about being a metal athlete. I thought that that was super interesting, and I really appreciated Josh taking the time to sit down and hang out with me. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, Vox voxandhops.com and that's v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com and when you do that you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast including all the details for any episodes which i've dropped throughout that past week if i've been a guest on someone else's podcast all the information of any cool projects i have in the works such as brutal north america as well as the updated links to thirsty thursday hangs and the links to the brutal awakenings playlist which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. So please do me a favor, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming up this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. 
We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.